Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. When you get a compliment, do you say things like, well, I just got lucky, or, oh, we did so well on that project because Jane was running it, or I'm not really a good parent, I've got a lot of help then you, my friend, may have imposter syndrome. And today you'll learn the signs and symptoms of imposter syndrome and the five ways it's hurting all your relationships. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven. With over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. Well, hi there. Welcome back. It's me. It's Abby. Well, you know it's me. You're listening, so you know. I need to tell you that I just found out that we have been downloaded in 133 countries. Oh, yeah, baby, 133. So I want to thank my international listeners uh, and and my my national ones, my ones here in the United States. But I, I just... I can't even explain it. When I heard that number, I actually teared up because, as you know, I repeat it over and over, my goal is world peace. And I really, I truly believe this, that if everyone had access to great information, I mean, really good research-based, experience-based information about how to be happy with yourself and with all your relationships, then we wouldn't have a need for hate and bullying and 
racism and bigotry and misogyny and all the things that we really would have a very different world we live in. So I hope that you share the podcast with as many people as you can. You let them know about it. Uh, you know I am here with the goods. Every every week I'm here with the goods. And we're actually going to come up to our fourth season soon. July is start, starting of season four. I've been at this for years now and it's uh, it's really cool. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. I'm really proud of it. It's one of the things I'm the most proud of that I do in my world. So thank you, thank you. And if you haven't yet, because, you know, the world of Abby <laughs> is all about helping you all the time. And so I love that you listen every week. But if you haven't signed up for my newsletter yet, I think you really should. Uh, it comes out every what, Wednesday here in the States. So depending on where your time zone is, it'll be something around that. And uh, it's really weekly doses of, you know, once a week dose of inspiration, education. I, you know, I have things in there that I don't share on the podcast. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, I had my, you know, my three favorite things to help you sleep, you know, my, the products that I use to help with sleep. And I'll talk about my personal life quite a bit, uh, but always with sort of a point, you know, so you can learn a little bit more about my life and my parenting and my, <laughs> my, my relationships and all the goods. Uh, but it's, again, always really meant to help you really connect. So if you just go to the website, abbymedcalf.com, it's right there. We actually just redid the website a bit, so which I'm really happy about. So first of all, it's much faster. Second of all, there's a little search, little magnifying glass search thing uh, up in the upper right corner. So you can search for things on the website, podcasts, topics, blogs, you name it. You can search for it on the website much easier now. And the newsletter is kind of front and center now. It's, it's easier uh, for that. And so you know, my shop page is on there. You can buy things if that's your thing, or there's free things in the shop section. Um, you know, definitely come check it out. But I'd love to have you on the newsletter. I'd love to see you every week in that way also. And if you want a daily dose of inspiration, you can follow me on social media. I'd say we're mostly on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you know, check me out on Instagram. And again, I'll link to all that in the show notes on the show notes page of the website. So or anywhere on the website, you can find all the handles and ways to get in touch with me. So uh, there you go. And so I have to talk about imposter syndrome. I have to tell you this story that happened. Uh, it's quite a few years ago now that I think about it, but it is huge nonetheless. So basically, I was on a panel at a judge's conference and they were the uh, it was a judicial conference. Um, and because I speak also, as you know, a lot of you know, I'm in recovery. I'm a recovering heroin addict. And I'm uh, pretty passionate about treatment over incarceration. So anyway, I'm at this, I get asked to be on this panel and I go to this judge's conference to speak. And we're all in a line um, up on the dais, right? So, and the room is packed. There's uh magistrate judges, federal court judges, there's lawyers, there's you name it. It's that kind of room. And uh, there was even superior court judges, uh, uh, Supreme Court judges. I mean, it was huge. It was like this big deal. Okay. And I get asked to speak on, you know, uh, about this idea of incarceration versus, you know, what the science is about it. And so on the panel, 
you know, these really famous people. And there, there was, I think, five of us up on the dais and I was last. And so they start introducing everybody who's on the panel. And this is, again, many years ago before I had like a podcast or other things. Um, I had my PhD, but I didn't have a lot of other stuff other than a lot of my corporate work and things like that. So they, this, first of all, like these are all a lot of judges, you know, there was judges on the panels and things. And um, the man introducing us, uh, the Honorable Ricardo Martinez, he was a district judge and he was like one of the first Hispanic judges ever to be in the district court. And they're introducing, right? They're going down the line. Bill Compton was there, who at the time was the deputy director of the National Institute on Drug Abuse. They're introducing him. He'd just come back from, I don't know, some World Health Organization conference where he presented, blah, blah, blah. This guy, uh, Hank Greeley, was there, who is a professor of law at Stanford and has written all these books, and they're introducing him and all his degrees and all his stuff. And you know, so they're going down the line, and then they get to um, Abby Metcalf. <laughs> and it was like, and I didn't at the time, again, this is years ago, I didn't know that I should have a better um, way of introducing myself, you know, like something that really, I wasn't very slick, let's put it that way. So I don't even know what they said. It was like, and Abby Metcalf, uh, she's great. <laughs> I think it was something like that. And there's crickets. You, I am looking out and and I'm watching, by the way, as I'm sitting there and all these other people are getting introduced, first person to do this, law review at Harvard, blah, 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 right? And I'm waiting and it's like a train coming down the tracks and I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, how am I even on the dais with these people? I don't know how I got on there. And all their amazing accomplishments. I was in awe. I was fangirling with these people. And they get, and again, they get to me and it's like, and share, you know, like, and... <laughs> There's just this, there was nothing else to say, really. Um, oh, I wish I had the CV of share, but anyway. Um, and I could just see everyone kind of go with the question mark. You could literally see question marks above their foreheads out in the audience. I swear to gosh, everywhere I look. And I just talk about feeling like an imposter, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm standing on the dais and I'm going to present last. And they're go again, and they're going down. So then we all go and present. Everyone has like five minutes to present and they are crushing it. Like they're, you know, Bill has his like, here's this and that and all his stats and all the studies he's done and the research and all the amazing places he's spoken and how he can prove this and that. And again, you know, all the other people are doing the same and I've done this and that. And, you know, I remember sitting there and I was uh, getting that feeling, you know, that feeling when your stomach drops out, right, right to your knees. And I was nauseous. I felt lightheaded. I could feel myself blushing, like all the, you know, blood was like in my face. I felt warm everywhere and warm and cold all at the same time. But I'll tell you what I did. You know, I've one thing I'm really good at is public speaking. I'm I I'm good. And I thought, and I had to sit there and really thank God I'd already had a mindfulness practice and a meditation practice because I felt everything going on. Thank you. Thank you, God. And I was able to come back in the moment and think, all right, I can't compete with these people on this level, nor should I try. And that's somebody asked me here for some good reason. They must think I have something to share. And so I just got up and ended up being very me. And I spoke from my heart and what I know. And 
because there had already been so many stats, I had some stats memorized, which was good. I did throw those in, but there was already so much out there like that, that I just was me. I thought, you know what? I'm going to live or die by my own sword here. Like it's, if, if I go down in flames, it's going to be because I stand behind whatever I said. And so I, you know, I just kind of came from an impassioned place of my work for many years with addicts and my own recovery. And I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I bought the house down. I, when I came off the stage later, when we all came off, I, everyone came up to me. I had like a line of people wanting to talk to me. And it was really, again, I was very present in the moment. I was very aware. And I'll tell you, it was really one of those moments times in my life when that was crystallized so, so much that feeling like an imposter is only when I try to be someone I'm not. And that it's really about me and what I present. Having said that, this imposter syndrome comes up often for me. You know, sometimes I'm being asked to speak somewhere. Um, even doing the podcast, when I saw we were in 133 countries, I thought, really? Us? People are listening all over? Oh my gosh. Even though I get I get tons of emails every week. I get lots of, and by the way, thank you. Please keep sending them. They really keep me going like you don't even know. Um, and I get lots of feedback. All those uh, therapists tell me, oh, I had your client, my clients listen to this one and this one or whatever. My own clients who even listen to the podcast also. It I get it, but on another level, that's what crops up first. Who am I to? Who am I, whatever? Oh, people are going to figure out that I'm a fraud, that I don't know what I'm talking about, something, even though I know I do know what I'm talking about, <laughs> even though I feel confident about all my years of experience and my education, all that good stuff. It, so I'm telling you all this because as I go into the research, I just, I really, I, I come across as very confident and I am in many ways, but I, like everyone else, can suffer from this. And it's all about, you know, the things I'm about to teach you and to not get caught in it, to not get wrapped up. So yeah, I don't know that you can ever get rid of the thoughts completely. I think that that's a difficult thing to do. However, I'm not ruled by them. I, I They don't take you know, and that could have been a really horrible presentation I had if I had sort of stuck with what I thought I was going to do in my mind. Because I, again, it, I was trying to be initially in my head something I wasn't. And then when I was faced with these people who were so far ahead of the place I was trying to go, I realized that the best thing I had was me. And again, if I failed, at least I was going to fail as me. So, but let's get into it. Let's, let's go let's go where we need to go. And I have a great um, uh, download for you at the end that's really going to help this along. So I, I do want to say that, but uh, here we go. So so what? let me just say what it is and isn't. It's, uh, in 1978, um, there were two psychologists, Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes, and they wrote a paper about high-achieving women who felt like they were phonies at work is basically what it was. <clears throat> These women had just these that they were working with had this underlying belief that they'd somehow fooled their bosses and their colleagues into believing that they were intelligent, uh, but really inside, you know, and amazing, but inside they really didn't feel worthy. They didn't feel like they'd earned their status at their jobs, you know, that they'd just gotten lucky kind of thing. And so they, because they felt unworthy and anxious all the time, and they, they were worried they'd be discovered. And, you know, it really impacts you. And so, 
Clance and Imes at the time, they called this the imposter phenomenon. That's what they said at the time. I forget the exact name of the paper, but it was something like that. I'll link to it in the show notes, as I always do. And it has since been renamed, renamed, of course, the imposter syndrome. And really now it applies to anyone who feels like a fake anywhere in their life. Okay, so it doesn't just have to be at work. So and before we jump, I'm going to give you some signs and symptoms of imposter syndrome, but you need to know it's not a real diagnosis. It's not a real diagnosable psychological condition. Okay, but uh, although there is a test you can take, Pauline Clance created a te- an imposter syndrome test. Again, I'll link to that in the show notes. You can come on over to abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 142. You can just see it right there. Click on it and it'll be in the show notes, the links. So, but really what it is, I want to be very clear. What imposter syndrome really is, it's just a negative thought pattern. When you think thoughts over and over, they become beliefs. And then the beliefs become ingrained as facts, you know, in your psyche. And you act as if these are facts instead of changeable thoughts. Okay. So these are not facts. They're changeable thoughts. And that's what I first want you to understand. Okay. The other thing is that feeling like an imposter, it happens to pretty much everyone. Like I just shared, I think a lot of people don't even think that I ever feel like one because I come across as like so definite and here's what you need to do and bossy Jewish mother. But I'm human, just like everybody else. So it really happens for everyone when they step out of their comfort zone. That's kind of really where that shows up. Uh, as I'm doing the podcast and I've you know researched and I've done my thing and I know what works with clients, I do not feel like an imposter at all. I have to say in those moments, I am right there. It's you know when it's something out of my comfort zone, hearing that we're in all these countries or something, or I'm like, oh, am I worthy of being listened to in in Australia and Malta and Switzerland and like is that okay? You know that's where that goes. So and it's estimated that seventy percent of people deal with imposter syndrome at some point. So. I, I, and again, I'll link to all the research. But it, so to me, at its core, imposter syndrome is really a mix of anxiety and low self-esteem. And we just gave it a different name. That To me, that's kind of what that is. So let's talk about the symptoms. Uh, you doubt yourself often and always want to have someone else give their opinion on your decisions. That's, I, I think, one of the big ones I see. Uh, having a lot of difficulty owning your accomplishments. So you don't own them. So you attribute your accomplishments to outside factors. Any success you have, it's something external, um, something or someone outside yourself. Again, let, that I just got lucky. I'm not a good mom. I have a lot of help. You know, I did well, you know, oh, thank you for the compliment. But really, you know, thank you for liking my shirt. But my, uh, husband got it for me. You know, he's the one with great taste. Whatever you say, you know, we we can put things off. Uh, if you obsess and agonize over even tiny little mistakes you make, you feel undeserving in your job, your relationship. You don't feel, you know, something like that. You, If you think things are too good to be true, when you get into that, it's too good to be true. Because again, you're feeling undeserving or unworthy of whatever's happening. Uh, if you're fearful of not living up to expectations, so, you know, of your family or job or whoever, and this 
usually shows up in two ways, by the way. When you're fearful of not living up to expectations, you're either a huge overachiever, you're just constantly doing, or I see people who just sort of opt out completely. Well, these, you know, these expectations are too high. I'm never going to be able to meet them, so I'm not going to play. I'm going to take my toys and go home. I'm not even going to try. I'll see both sides. Um, If you've been told you sabotage things when they're going well at work or at home, you likely have imposter syndrome. Uh, Thinking that others will eventually find out you're a fraud. If you literally have that in your head at different points, obviously that would fit here. One of the other ones I see a lot is not thinking you've uh, done or accomplished enough. It's not good enough. I haven't done enough. Uh, You know, I only have this, oh, there's more I'm supposed to be doing. If you're overly concerned with what others think of you and you're constantly looking for their approval, it also can be another symptom of imposter syndrome. If you're not validated and approved by others and you don't feel good about yourself or what you've done because of it, then you likely you might have imposter syndrome. And lastly, any you know, if you're thinking thoughts like, oh, he deserves better than me, I'm not good enough for her, that kind of stuff, yeah, you might you might be in this camp. Because like I said, there's some anxiety and low self-esteem all mixed together. And so I, I want to, before I really get to the stuff, I want to go into why you might have it. You know, that's what people ask me all the time. Why do I have this? What, why is this here? <laughs> and I will, so Clance and Imes in that paper, they identified in that initial paper, the original paper, they identified two different groups of imposters, which are reasons you have this which basically boil down to either you were the golden child in your family growing up or you weren't the golden child in your family growing up. And let me explain those two camps. So. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. If you weren't the golden child, okay? If you had a sibling, maybe a parent or a close relative who was viewed as the smart one, the talented one, the athletic one, the artistic one, the whatever one, and you were left kind of in the proverbial dust, that that could be why. So maybe you worked really hard to prove that you were worthy too, but you know, you can never quite measure up. Or even if you, you could have even surpassed your golden sibling in some way, but they still got all the accolades and attention and you were always in the background. This can all contribute. Maybe I've seen this where, let's say you even had a special skill. I've had this where I've had clients where the my client was super um, talented artistically, and but had that 
older sibling, I'm thinking it's, it's, it was a male client, super uh, talented artistically, had an older brother who was an all-star baseball player, just incredible, um, scouted, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> so he w- his, his, his brother just got all the attention, all the things. And his art was seen as you know, sort of frivolous pastime. Isn't that cute? Well, that's nice, but you know, can you really make a living at that? Um, and by the way, you know, statistically, you can make more money from art than from being a baseball player, right? Statistically, uh, you know, but yet the one was seen as the big thing. So in the end, even though you're having success, you believe that the family, you know, sort of must be right. Maybe you don't deserve it. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe you're an imposter. So, you know, you start to doubt yourself. So that's on the one side. On the other, you know, is this maybe you were the golden child. And I don't know which is worse, but, uh, you know, your family put you on some kind of pedestal where you were so smart and so talented and so this. But when things were difficult for you or didn't come easily, you, of course, panicked because if you're supposed to be so smart and brilliant and artistic and talented or whatever, obviously, you're not supposed to have to work really hard at it. <laughs> so y- you in your head, you're thinking, well, I've got to be great at whatever the thing is, you know, in this to, you know, to meet your family's expectations. But so you really, but you don't want to ask for help. That's the thing. You're not going to ask for help. You're just going to work harder and harder. So you feel like a fraud because if you, if I was really smart, I wouldn't have to work so hard. If I was really talented, I, this would come easier to me. Uh, again, there's that, there's that feeling like, you're not, you know, this anxiety around performing and, and being everything that they think. Um, again, or like I mentioned earlier, you might completely opt out if this is, if you were the golden child and you might just say, nope, if I can't be perfect, again, I'm not going to play at all. And you just sort of opt out of the whole thing and end up always feeling like an imposter anyway, or a failure at this point, because, you know, didn't live up to your expectations. And you might even hear that all the time. So that's what, that's what Clance and Imes think. I personally, I don't know that I think anything is that neatly compartmentalized. Uh, I think imposter syndrome, like most things, it's it's really a perfect storm, and I think it includes. I think it can totally include the two things I just mentioned, but I I think it also includes the temperament you were born with. You know, we're all born with certain temperaments. You know, slow to warm up. Uh, really kind of more of an outgoing temperament, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, your birth order, uh, any underlying mental health conditions like anxiety or depression that might have been inherited or, uh, you know, exacerbated by the situation, how your family talked about success in general, your environment, your bigger environment. And, uh, you know, I don't want to forget about institutionalized racism and discrimination. All of these things can come together to have you feel like an imposter. So, okay, so there you go. So do you have it? Do you not? You know if, if this is all fitting you or not. So now let's talk about the five ways imposter syndrome is hurting your relationships. Not just your, not just your love interest, not just your romance, but all of your relationships, really. And that's really what we're talking about today. And it's why I care 
you know, do you need to pigeonhole yourself? Do you need to put yourself in a little box? I, it's up to you. But I, if this stuff hits, then it's somehow, even if you don't label yourself with imposter syndrome, clearly it's in your way. And whatever this is, this constellation of issues are for you. And so let me talk about how it's really hurting your relationships. The number, number one thing I find is you don't trust. And research for sure has shown that people who have imposter syndrome have trouble trusting others, without a doubt. Like that's in a lot of the research. If you don't trust, so think about it. If you don't trust, you're not going to show your vulnerabilities. You're not going to be vulnerable in, what, in any of your relationships, which translates into you hiding, right? You're going to hide your flaws, your weakness, or what you perceive as your flaws or weaknesses. And you're going to be very sensitive to any feedback because you don't want anyone else to see them either. So any feedback at work, from your partner, from your friends, whoever, you're, it's going to really, really feel, well, crappy. <laughs> it's going to, any feedback at all might actually feel like criticism no matter how carefully it's given. So that's the you don't trust. You know, it's... um you're really just not trusting others when they say that they love you, when they say how they feel about you, when they say you're doing a good job at work, when you're getting, a, I don't know, um, good input uh, from your parents, whatever. There's just this lack of trust completely. And okay. And that really gets us into the second thing, which is that you doubt those around you. So you don't, so trusting and doubt, a little, little slightly different. And the doubt is that when you have low self-esteem and feel like an, an imposter, you doubt those around you and start to see them more negatively. And th to me, this is for two reasons. First, you have a more negative lens overall when you have imposter syndrome. You're, you're seeing everything. Uh, everyone is viewed through that lens, which is a problem. And you, second, you doubt them because they trust or love, they trust you, they hired you, they love you. It's the whole, you know, Groucho Marx line. Um, uh, I'm going to massacre it probably, but something like I wouldn't want to join a club that would want me as a member thing. It's you're doubting them. You're, you doubt their reasons for things. Again, it's a little different than the trust that I just said. You know, the trust is really hinging on um, you not showing your vulnerabilities, which translates into you being very and not wanting other people to see them. So you're really the not trusting is that you're hiding your flaws and your weaknesses or whatever you perceive as that so that you don't get um, any feedback or any criticism at all, and you really keep that well hidden. The doubt is this next deeper kind of level uh, where you're really doubting, and that's a scary place to be in. So I'm not, um, how could you really love me? What's wrong with you? There must be something wrong with you. So I'm doubting you now and the things you say. So that that's like a whole other level. All right. And that really brings us to the third way imposter syndrome hurts your relationships. In, is that you likely sabotage. So the same research that shows that people, uh, th that those people who have imposter syndrome, um, that they view their work and personal relationships as less stable than they actually are. 
Is that, did that make sense? Yes. So, so this, a lot of the research shows that people with imposter syndrome, they view their work and personal relationships as less stable than they actually are. And which means if, if it's less stable than it, 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 you, you become fearful. You're going to think maybe you'll get abandoned, rejected, fired. You're going to have that in your head a lot. So your anxiety amps up and you might unconsciously find ways to quit your job or leave a relationship so that you leave before they do. This is that self-sabotage. Or you think so much about your partner breaking up with you or your job firing you that you look for constant approval. And no matter what your partner, your boss, your friend, your mom, whatever does, it's never enough. And you're always looking for more assurance. And obviously, this becomes very exhausting to those around you. So to me, that ends up becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy as you're sort of chasing people for these things because you think they're going to leave. They weren't going to leave. They weren't doing that. But your constant uh, drain on them about needing this approval, this assurance, then they get overwhelmed. It, it you know, you're deep down, you believe you're not good enough for your partner. Uh, you don't think you really deserve the job you have. Uh, your partner can do better than you. So your subconscious is driving those thoughts and actions and you overthink everything. You start seeing things that aren't there. I know he's cheating on me. I know my boss just just waiting to promote Dave over me. I I know, I know, you know, you know these things, right? So all of this really again because you're you're viewing things as less stable than they actually are, but again becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy. People get exhausted by it. You start acting weird because you're jealous or anxious or trying to take down people that you don't need to take down. And then people do leave and do fire you and do not want to be your friend because of that. But you then obviously think, see, I knew I was right. I knew, I knew it. I knew I was waiting and I was right. And then that reinforces the next time when you're in a relationship. Uh, yeah, people always leave me, whatever. You have that just in your head. So you think you're right. But really, it's a what we call confirmation bias uh, and a self-fulfilling prophecy is what ends up happening. So so one is you don't trust. Two is you start doubting those around you. Three is you sabotage. The fourth way that imposter syndrome is hurting your relationships is you're angry. You're blaming and you're resentful. It, so, be, so because you're constantly looking for outside validation to feel good about yourself, and because those outside assurances are never enough, you end up feeling angry, resentful, and blaming those around you. That's what happens. Your internal dialogue is going to—it's really going to become very focused on other people being the issue. They're the reason you're not happy. That's why you're not happy. That's why you're not succeeding at work. And you're going to find yourself really preoccupied with what others are doing instead of looking at your own behavior. And again, it just feeds this resentful, blaming, angry thing, which obviously, again, people don't like to be around that. So that's going to feed, it's part of the sabotage really on another level. And you could even get to a place where you don't want to be in any relationships because you are just waiting for the other shoe to drop and it's probably happened. 
So you think there it is. People, you know, men suck. Women can't be trusted. You know, you get into that sort of global catastrophizing thing. And I'll tell you, and again, this leads right into my fifth and final way that imposter syndrome is hurting your relationships because you end up settling. You settle. At work, you might settle for a job that isn't, you know, reaching for the stars because for a number of reasons, right? Maybe it's because they're going to, you don't want the attention. They might, or they might expect too much. They might be looking at you for things. So you take a job that's really below your skill level. That's going to be relatively easy for you that you're going to be able to do better at, um, where you're not taking any big risks. If you do take on a higher level job, you might put up with bosses that are abusive, that treat you poorly. This is just the way it is. If you, you know, no pain, no gain, all that crap. Um, In a love relationship, you might settle for someone who's maybe in a love relationship, you settle for someone who's abusive too. And that might be, you know, mentally or emotionally. It doesn't always, uh, it's, I think it's often even not physical, it's other ways or um, who just, uh, doesn't really treat you great in some ways, doesn't hold you in high regard. Or maybe you're in a relationship with someone who's really dependent on you and needs you. You know, they'll never leave you if they need you, right? So you end up with very needy, clingy people uh, in this sort of fear-based relationship. And yeah, I, you know, taking taking on a job or being with a partner who's uh, not at your level, okay? Who's not at your level. That could sound bad, I don't know. But maybe it's a job, again, that's really below your skill set. Or maybe it's a person who's not as emotionally intelligent, you know, a future partner who's not as emotionally intelligent as you, or who doesn't have the ambition, or even the hygiene level you do. I've had that. I've had people come to me and their partner is, you know, doesn't brush their teeth or clip their toenails or whatever, just isn't, kind of kind of gross or really messy. I'm thinking, what's going on here? You know, there's just a interesting thing that people will put up with um, and take on and stay with. And I always hear, you know, but they're great, but I love them, but we have fun together. You know, I hear these other things, but really at the core is something else, is this sort of, they're settling because they're fearful. They're settling out of fear. And again, with the job, well, I don't want to be one of those people on that grind, always worried about work, always whatever. Um, you know, this is better. It, it's, it's, it's your choice to worry about work. It's your choice to do those things. And I'm not saying you shouldn't kind of come off the merry-go-round if you want. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But I'm saying make sure it's from a good place. Make sure it's from the love part of your brain, not the fear part of your brain. Make sure it's from you feeling great about yourself and feeling like you deserve to not be on the hamster wheel versus I don't want to deal with the hamster wheel. Uh, it's really two different things. So, so those are the five So ways that imposter syndrome is hurting your relationship. You don't trust. You doubt those around you. You sabotage. You become very angry, angry blaming, and resentful and you settle. So if you want to take this to the next level, uh, I do have a list of my top tips for getting over your imposter syndrome. And you can come on over to the website and you can download that. Again, abbymedgaff.com forward slash podcast. This is um, 
episode, what did I say? 142? <laughs> it is, if you just put in imposter syndrome in the search bar, it'll come up. Yes, it's episode 142. And uh, you can get my top tips. But, you know, the first thing is noticing if you've got, quote unquote, got this, if this is in your way, if it's happening and how it's really hurting so that you'll be motivated to want to change it. And that's it for today. I didn't have any questions come in that I couldn't answer on the podcast right now. So I don't have anything uh, I'm going to be speaking to right now. But remember, if you have questions or uh, things you want answered that I don't cover on the podcast, uh, you know, a topic that I'm not covering, please send that in. And at the end of these podcasts, I'll be taking 10 minutes or so to answer questions very directly, as directly as I can without giving therapy over the phone, uh, over the phone, <laughs> over your, over the podcast. But uh, I will, you know, be answering those. So definitely write in. I love your, you know, when you let me know what you want to hear about, it helps so much. I can't tell you. I absolutely positively respond to everybody's emails. I do. I don't always do it the same day, but I eventually respond. So please write in. Please let me hear how you are. And I love you. I adore you. I'm so glad you're here with me. I appreciate you so, so much. I appreciate mostly your really courageousness and bravery and wanting to make things different. It's it's hard. It's hard to hear that you might have imposter syndrome. It's hard to hear that you're anxious. It's hard to hear whatever, you know, often that I'm talking about. But what I always want to leave you with is the hope and the inspiration to change because you absolutely can. I changed my life. I've worked with literally thousands of people who've changed theirs. You can absolutely change yours. None of us have anything you don't have. All right. I love you. You have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything, you can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.